I want to just share briefly this. Uh, one of my favorite writers, I'm sure you've heard of him, is Brennan Manning. Uh, Brennan Manning just passed away this past year, and his famous book is The Ragamuffin Gospel. You probably heard about this was The Ragamuffin Gospel. I want to strongly recommend these two books to you. This Brennan Manning, um, he, he is just an amazing, he, he was an amazing brother who understood grace, went through a lot of hard times in his life, a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges, and he really came into an intimacy with Jesus that is truly amazing. His, his book, as I said years ago, was a, a bestseller, Ragamuffin Gospel. A ragamuffin just means just a, you know, the definition of ragamuffin is somebody that's no, nobody special. He's got all kind of problems. He's just a ragamuffin. And he says that's what the gospel is for. The gospel is for the ragamuffin, the, the person who feels like they can never measure up, they can never be good enough, they can never do it right, they can never get it right. The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's an awesome, awesome book of encouragement. And then this is his last book before he died. He wrote about his life. He never really wrote much about his, himself, except this last book tells the story of his life. And I really recommend these two books. Now, he wrote several other books that are awesome, like The Ruthless, uh, I think it's called The Ruthless Love of God or something like that. It's awesome. Awesome books. So all of his books I recommend, but especially these these two, and this is his last one. I'm just starting this one, but all of grace, all his grace is about his life and how you can see the, the struggles he went through in life, you know, in his family life and how he struggled with his mother's words as a small boy who said, you'll never amount to anything. And he struggled with those words from his, from his parents, you know, that you're never, you're never going to be anything and, and how God took him and just held him through the years and all the, his struggles. And so anyway, anyway I just want to share that to get a chance to get these two books that really will bless you. We encourage you big time. Brendan Manning. Awesome brother. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We pray by the power of your spirit that we will hear you today touch you today, see you today. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are our life. You are our peace. I pray, Father, that we'll be able to hear today in a fresh way that we'll be able to receive, receive things that are from your heart, things that are not of men, heart to heart, from God's heart to our heart. We so need you. We so need to hear you, to touch you, to feel you. And you're so ready to give yourself to us. Thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one thing I've learned is that it's really not... Let me say it this way. There are... Jesus said that you shall know the truth 
and the truth shall make you free. That statement is a powerful statement. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Notice that when Jesus said that, it's not that truth makes you free. It's the truth that you know. There are things that you and I have not grasped yet that are there waiting for us. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Just think about that for a minute. There are, there are revelations from the Father that He wants to give us that we, can't not, we cannot yet bear them now. Jesus said this. He said to the disciples, I have many things I want to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit comes, He shall reveal all things that belong to me, Jesus said, and now belong to you because we would be inside him in union with him he and us we and him all that he is is now given to you as a gift to me as a gift as John says as Jesus is so are we in this world awesome union awesome reality of union but it's just very powerful to realize there are Beautiful and wonderful things about him and about you that we have not yet seen. Why is it that we can't see as fast as we'd like to see? It's not because God is not willing to give. It's because we cannot receive. The scripture says that when God spoke from the heavens, when Jesus was on the way to the cross... He spoke from the heavens audibly. The third time he spoke from the heavens, first when Jesus was baptized by John and the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The second time he spoke was when he brought Peter and John and James to the top of that mountain and they heard the voice of the Father speak, this is my beloved Son, hear him. That's when Peter was being distracted by Moses and Elijah and putting Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. And the father just shut that down real quick and said, hear my son. The law and the prophets pointed to him. He is the fulfillment of all things. The third time he spoke is when Jesus was about to go to the cross and fulfill all that the father had sent him to do. And the voice from the heavens came, but some heard the the voice of God And they said it sounded like thunder. And some heard the voice of God and they heard his words. His words were, in response to the son's prayer, Father, glorify your name. The father said, I have both glorified my name and I will glorify it again. Some heard words, some heard thunder. In the same setting with the same sound coming from the skies. It's not a matter of God not willing to give and reveal. It's a matter of our receiving. Okay, so how can we be better receivers? This is the encouraging thing. If you feel like you are just failing miserably at the Christian life, 
If you feel like you can never measure up, if you feel like you just can't get it together, if you feel like life is beating me up, whether outwardly through illness or finances or mean people or family struggles or whatever, if you feel like this world is just beating me up, I have good news. That's what makes you a good receiver. It's when you and I are desperate to hear from him. It's when you and I are going through life struggles and we must hear from him or we die. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, the key to receiving from God is living or seeing how Jesus lived. Jesus lived his life with this deep awareness, a deep awareness that apart from the Father, I can do nothing, nothing. Jesus said, apart from the Father, I can do nothing. He lived in such dependence on God, on the Father, on the Father's love for him. I love what John said. John said that the Son was in the bosom of the Father. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Son was in the bosom of the Father. No man has seen God at any time, John said. No man has seen God at any time. But the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. The Son was in the bosom of the Father, in the heart of the Father. In that relationship, father and son, my beloved son. And he and only he can declare who this God, the true God, really is. And to see him is to see the father. That verse that says, you shall search for me with all your heart and you shall surely find me. I used to read that verse in a legalistic way and it was always depressing to me. Because I never could figure out if I was really searching and seeking God with all my heart or not. I mean, I mean, who can, who can claim to be doing anything with all their heart? So that verse was kind of depressing to me. But the Lord showed me that what that really means is not that he's reluctant to give. And he only gives if I see, mm, yeah, that's, that's 80%. No, not good enough. 90, no, not yet. 100%. It's got to be 100% before I reveal myself. If you search for me with all your heart, you shall surely find me. No, that's not talking about God's reluctance to give to you and I. It's just a statement of fact that when you are in so, and I am so needy, and I realize how needy I am and how desperate I am, I will open large enough to be able to receive. David said, Lord, you have enlarged my heart that I might receive your love. You see, there's a lot of we can be dull of hearing. We can be short-sighted, Peter said. Not be able to see, not be able to hear. And, and the reason why, it's like the Laodicean church. We think we see, but we don't see. We think we're rich, but we're not rich. And, and the Lord is saying, buy for me. I'll give you eyes to open your eyes. See, they didn't see their need. They have no need. They said that we have no need. And so the key to, the key to receiving from God is realizing our unbelievable need for every breath, every heartbeat, everything, and 
the joy of that, the joy of that is intimacy. John, John laid on Jesus' chest. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, John, the beloved disciple, laid on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, just so free, just to lay on his chest. Peter was off to the side. And Jesus had just said, I I am troubled in my spirit. There is one here who is going to betray me. It's interesting that Peter didn't ask Jesus directly, who is it, Lord? Peter turned to John and said, John, ask him. Ask him who it is. John leaned back on on Jesus' chest. This is all in the Gospel of John. So awesome. He leaned back on his chest like this and looked up and said, Lord, who is it? Peter didn't have that intimacy yet that John had. And I love what Joseph Prince says about that. Joseph Prince says that Peter always boasted that he loved Jesus. He said, I love you. I'll die for you. Peter's boast was, I love God. And I'm always, when I hear someone boasting how much they love God, I'm always like, oh. John boasted in God loving him. The beloved disciple, I'm loved of God. He boasted how much he was loved of God. When we say, I love God, I love God, there's maybe a sense that we don't see our need and maybe a lack of intimacy and maybe a, a, a undergirth of trying to prove myself to God. I'll die for you, Peter said. Jesus said, oh, Peter, before morning, you'll deny me three times. John was the only one there at the cross. He boasted in God's love for him. We have him inside of us. And we are inside of him. We can lay our head on his chest. He wants us to. When you can't find the words, Paul says when we can't find the words because of life's struggles and life's pain and life's challenges, when you can't even find the words, Paul says that the Holy Spirit will pray for us. That the Spirit of God will pray, sometimes in just groanings too deep to be uttered as we lay on his chest, just rest on his chest. You know, I've, I've talked about intimacy with Jesus through the years and different teachings and stuff. Um, but I tell you, it's really true. We can have a deeper and deeper intimacy with Jesus himself. We can lay our head on his chest. Jesus said there's only one thing needful to live this life. Only one thing. Martha was busy, busy, busy doing her thing. Complaining to the Lord. Complaining, complaining, busy, busy, complaining, busy, busy. Somehow busyness and complaining goes together. You know? 
when we stop getting, when we're, stop, we're not so busy, we stop complaining. But when we're busy, 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 we're complaining. And the third thing Martha was doing, she was judging her other sister and saying, why, is, why isn't Mary doing what I'm doing? So busy busyness leads to complaining, leads to criticism, judgmentalism. Jesus said to Martha, 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 only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the one thing that is needed that shall not be taken away from her. Not be taken away from her. Interesting statement. Not be taken away from her. In other words, all the busyness that we do, all that is here and gone and here and gone. But the one thing that she's doing will see her through life. And what did she do? She just was sitting at his feet, beholding him and receiving, just listening, just being in his presence and receiving. The more we realize our incredible need of him, the more we will have few words in prayer and yearn to just bask in his love. The more we see our need of him, the more we will have few words in prayer and bask in his love for us. That's how the son lived on the earth. When he got up in the early mornings to pray, he didn't go... You know, our view of prayer, I think, is so different from the Son of God's prayer. I mean, it's so different. If you read the actual recorded prayers, he, he, very few words were actually spoken. I think the longest prayer recorded by Jesus is that John 17, before he went to the cross, praying that his work, that all things would take place and, and be fulfilled, and that all who would believe on him would be one, as the Father is one in him, and he in him, and the Son in us, and we in the Son. But... More than anything, the son was just aware of the father's love for him. He couldn't wait when he woke up to bask in the father's love. He had been in the bosom of the father before all things. Nothing came into being except through him, John said. He was in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. The son in the bosom of the father. The fellowship of the Father and the Son, the Scripture says, is what we've been called into. That intimacy, that fellowship of the Father and the Son, we've been called into. Jesus' main mission was to come to earth that He might take us back with Him and put us in the bosom of the Father. Paul said, Know you not that you've died and your life is now hidden with the Christ in God. That is the fountain to live this life. No matter what pain, no matter what struggle, no matter what challenge. It's an intimacy that He has purchased for us. He beckons us with joy to behold the Father and the Son and now us in Him. In the bosom of the Father. Now we've talked about how Peter walking on water was a picture of the Christian life. and 
our thoughts sometimes maybe go to this thinking that, how can I pull this off, though? How can I constantly be aware of, of this intimacy? How can I constantly be aware of this fellowship? How can, I, how can I walk on water? Because when I take my eyes off of Jesus and I see the storms, I begin to sink. But that's, that's part of the journey. Jesus immediately raised, reached out his hand and picked up Peter and said, Peter, don't doubt, don't doubt. That's why the scripture says to continually seek the things above If you have been raised with Christ, Paul says, seek the things above. Notice the apostles never said, seek the Lord. Never. To seek the Lord is an Old Testament concept. To seek the Lord. The scripture says, the prophet said, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. That was fulfilled through the work of Jesus. Know you not that you are the temple of the Lord. You are the temple of the Holy Presence. Nowhere do the apostles teach the believers to seek the Lord again. Because to seek for that which you already have is confusion. But we are told to seek the things that Christ has given to us. Seek the things above. Seek these riches that are now yours in Christ. Seek heavenly things. Seek the reality that is now true in you and Him. But don't seek for Him. If you, The very first thing the Holy Spirit's going to say to you, if you start seeking for Him, the Spirit's going to say, no, you're not. Him whom you seek is in you. But yes, seek about what he has accomplished. Seek to know him intimately, yes. Seek to know the one that you have within, yes. But not to seek him anymore. For he has sought us and found us. And he is in you and you are in him. Just like when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and All these things that you worry about in life shall be given to you. That was not a word to the believer. That was a word to the masses. The masses who were like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus said. That was not a word to the believer. That was a word to the unbeliever. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, God's righteousness. Don't seek to establish your own righteousness, but seek the righteousness which comes from above. Seek another reality. Seek this kingdom that I'm bringing and his righteousness. And all these things you worry about shall be taken care of. But now that we're in him, we have believed, we have received the Christ, we have received Jesus himself. Paul says the kingdom of heaven is now within. Righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit, the kingdom of heaven is now within you. And you do have his righteousness. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So it is absolutely wrong to tell the believer to seek the kingdom and seek his righteousness. Why do you seek that for which you already have? No, we tell the believer, know you not that the kingdom is within you. That which you sought, you have found. Know you not that you have his righteousness. That which you have sought, you have found. Now rest in that and all these things you worry about shall be added to you. Seeking the kingdom and seeking God's righteousness is not a lifetime journey. It's a moment when you believed. When you were translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. In union with Him. With the gift of righteousness which is His gift to us. So in that place of union now we seek. Yes we do seek things. We, we seek to know Him intimately. We seek to know the things of the Spirit. We, we seek to know this awesome work that God has accomplished. But we don't continue to seek for that which we already have. 
real intimacy cannot even begin until we know this, that we are already in union with Him. Real intimacy cannot begin, and that's why you see in the church with so much legalism out there and so much mixture of law and grace, you, you have very little legalism, and you have a lot of noise, a lot of teaching that's just noise. You know, formulas and, you know, the word, the word, the word, and how to get this, and how to get this from God. If you do this, if you meet these conditions, you get this, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, where's Jesus and all that? Where is the Son of God? Not to mention the, the burden that's put on so many believers about performing and living up to some standard. So much mixture. So much mixture. Instead of the simple, the simple reality that to live is Christ. Christ is all and in all who believe. Christ, Paul said, is all and in all who believe. Paul said he had this thorn in the flesh that he struggled with and he, he said he said he prayed three times and in the Greek three times means over and over again. He just didn't actually pray three times but it was like over and over again. Lord, remove this thorn out of my flesh. This messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Paul, don't be afraid. For in your weakness my strength is made perfect. In your weakness, in your need of me, my strength is made perfect through you. Paul got the revelation that, oh my God, this is part of the plan. That's why he left us in a fallen world, in it but not of it. That's why this world buffets us sometimes and Works seemingly death in us, but life in you. Because from that place of need, life flows from us to others. That's how we can not just cope, but have joy unspeakable and full of glory because of this intimacy. Because we can lay our head on his chest. I mean... No matter what you're going through, what we're going through, He has made it such that you can lay your head on His chest every day, every hour, if you want. Every morning, every evening, He made it so. It's expedient that I go away. That what you have, John, you probably had his arm around John. That what you have, John, all who believe on me may have. In this dusty upper room in Jerusalem, the beloved disciple heard the heartbeat of God. And now you can hear, and I can hear, the heartbeat of God. This is not overstating it. This is why he came. This is why he came. He came that he might bring us back to where he is. Father, John 17, Father, I pray that they who believe on me may be 
where I am. That they may behold my glory, Father, that you gave me before the world was. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Paul says, you have truly died through his death and you, your life, my life is now hidden with this son in God. Can we hear this or is it just thunder? Is it just noise? Are we needy enough to hear this? It will get better and better. That's why he says, keep seeking. You know why he said keep seeking? Because it's the way the Spirit works. It's like the epiphany will come after we steadily, steadily seek, see these realities in him. It's like the prophet Elijah. He said, go back. And look at the sky again. Go back. It's like when the prophet Elijah says, dip seven times, seven times, seven times, and the leprosy was healed. It's a spiritual reality because of the, because of the infirmity of our flesh. It's when, when Daniel prayed for 21 days, but the scripture says God sent the answer the very day that Daniel prayed, but it took 21 days for it to get through. It's, a, it's part of this fallen world. It's part of the infirmity of our flesh. It's a spiritual truth that as we keep, hold steady, hold steady, hold steady, it comes through. Not just one epiphany, but epiphany after epiphany after epiphany. As we hold steady, lay your head on his chest every night. And then it happens. Something that you've never saw before, something you never heard before. Because of the infirmity of our flesh, because of the weakness of our framework, because of the fallenness of this world, because of demonic powers trying to stop you from hearing, even as they resisted and Michael had to be sent for the message to get to Daniel, all these things that we don't have to know all about, for God says, I would rather you be naive as to what is evil and wise as to what is good. We don't have to worry about why and how this works. We just lay our head on his chest and trust. We have gone from reckoning things true to realizing. Romans 6 through 8, Paul talks about reckoning at first, and then he gets into realizing it. First it was just, I'm just going to reckon this because I, I bear witness to the truth. I'm reckoning this, reckoning this as true. I'm really, my old man really died. I'm really new in him. I'm really joined to him. And then the Spirit brings us to the revelation where we realize it's true. The fact that you and I can lay our head on His chest every day. Awesome. Greatest power in the world. To boast in how much God loves you. You are. You are the beloved disciple. You. You are the beloved disciple. Not that we first loved him, but that he first loved us. He brought us. The scripture says that he 
when, before he washed their feet, he's, the scripture says, knowing that he came from God and that he was going back to God, he took a towel and washed their feet. One huge circle, knowing that he came from God and that he was going back to God. He would not go back empty-handed. The word himself would perform that which what, for which it was sent. He prepared a place for us so that all who believe now may be where he is. My prayer for my life is that I would grow in this awareness of this awesome intimacy, this awesome love that has come to be my strength, to be my healing, to be my life, to be my peace, to be my shield. Like he said to Abraham, Oh, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And we are the sons of Abraham because we believe. He has become our shield and our exceeding great reward. So as we see more and more of our need of him, we will enter into an intimacy and a joy, a bliss, a bliss within. Like Peter describes us, joy unspeakable and full of glory in the bosom of the Father is where you live now. It's where I live. In him. They asked Jesus in the Gospel of John, where do you dwell? He said, come. Come and see. He dwelt in the bosom of the Father even as he walked the earth. As he's told Nicodemus, what, what, what shall you think, Nicodemus, that the Son of God who came from heaven should, should ascend before your eyes back to heaven who is now in heaven, Nicodemus? He lived on earth with the constant awareness that he was in heaven. He was in the Father, and the Father was in him. He bought that for us. We can live on earth with a constant awareness that I am in him and he is in me. That he has brought me into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. That I can lay my head on his chest and hear his heartbeat. No matter what I'm going through, no matter how bad I just sinned, or how bad I just blew it. Or how bad I hear voices from people and others that say, you'll never amount to anything. Or you're not doing it right. Or whatever. Or whatever struggles in this world. Just the struggles of being human. Financial struggles or relationship struggles or whatever it is. He's made it so simple. So simple. It's Him. You know, it's almost, we, we can't see the forest for the trees sometimes because you've got to back up and see what He did. He walked. He walked. And every problem, the answer was not some instruction. The answer to every problem as he walked the earth, was not some teaching on how to fix this. 
The answer to the problem was himself. He said, bring her to me. He said, to the wind, be still. He said to Peter, throw a hook in that water and I will give you the tax money. It was him. Himself. God made it so simple. The wise don't see it. But the babes see it. God has hidden himself from the wise and prudent, revealed himself to babes. Jesus himself is my answer. Jesus himself is my peace. Jesus himself is my life. Jesus himself. I lay on the chest of God. My answer is not being wise or knowing a lot or being able to implement a lot or execute it correctly. None of that. As David said, I am as a child. I'm a child in the lap of God. That no man may boast because it's just him. There's no other explanation other than it's Jesus. Lazarus is alive again. Why? Because of Jesus. 5,000 were fed with just a few loaves and fishes. How did they pull that off? Jesus. Jarius' daughter is dead. It's too late. What? She lives? How? Jesus. 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 Simplicity of it. Genius of it. For all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in him. And he has placed us in him and us in him and us. That we might have that same intimacy, that same fellowship that he had with the Father and the Father with him. As he prayed, Father, that they may know that you love them as you love me. That's like mind boggling. That God loves me. God loves you no less than he loves Jesus, his only son. It just really lets you lay your head down. And that's what he wants. One thing is needful. And all these awesome things we're learning about being free from the law... It's so important because if we don't see that, we cannot begin to have intimacy. The natural mind thinks you need law. God says you're most mistaken. For the law is the very strength of sin. The law is not of faith. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to all who believe. Come boldly now to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. What is our need? Oh, I didn't bring it. I was going to read this prayer. There was a lady whose grandchild was in a serious accident and some spike was thrown through his six inches into his brain through the eye right here. And this brother who is writing this story says, I remember my, and I'll wrap it up right here. He says, I remember my grandma when she prayed. We learned more about prayer, listening to grandma pray. Actually, they called her Mama in the, in the article, Mama. And she said, 
he said that when Mama prayed, we were all praying in the den because the grandson was in the hospital and they were trying to do surgery and doing what they could. And we were praying in the den and all Mama could do was just cry as we were all praying. And every now and then Mama would say, please, Father, please, Father, please, Father, praying for her grandchild. And then she, he said that, and then Mama, her prayer changed and, and they all stopped praying. They just listened to Mama. And he said, you could hear Mama just going boldly to the throne of God and talking to Father, asking. And I forget how I was going to read that. She said something so powerful about her as she prayed. And they learned more about how few words she spoke, and yet it was so powerful. And they knew that she was in a place that she had been many times and they had never witnessed it before as she prayed, as she was speaking to God face to face. Her grandson was healed. She, the article, he says, we got what we asked for. It's totally healed. Six inches in his brain. And he was, his point was, she knew him. She knew him. She could go to him. And in her desperation, she was right there. Right there. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There are things he wants to tell you and I that we cannot bear them now. But as we pray to be good receivers with the revelation of our great need of him, there is no limit to the intimacy you and I can have. There's no limit. Lord, I pray that we would lay our head on your chest often. We boast that you love us so much. We are the beloved disciples. We are yours. We are yours. I am my beloved's. And he is mine. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this awesome reality. May the Holy Spirit open our eyes that we can see where we are, who we are, in the bosom of God, with the Son. Forever. Amen.